Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. This isn't difficult, so you'll have the answer. How does an unbelieving Roman Gentile ask Jesus, who he doesn't know, to come and heal his servant? How did he know to do that? Did he read it on USA Today? How did he know to do that? Here, come on, come on. There you go. Somebody told him. He wouldn't have known of any of that. How could he know it? This world is in turmoil. That can't be denied. We Christians claim to have been found by the one who can calm the stormy seas of life. Such was the case when Jesus walked the earth. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the story of the centurion and his faith. One of the takeaways of this story is that someone told this Roman soldier about Jesus, which meant that Jesus had affected someone's life so much that they had to tell someone about him. Pastor Mark will be sharing about the importance of personal humility and how that played a role in the centurion's life, as well as the significance of humility in our lives. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he begins his message, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. The book of Luke starts, well, um, the early part of the book of Luke is about Jesus being born, the supernatural birth of Jesus and all that. But just before that, there's somebody else that's born. His name is John the Baptist. But in that particular time, Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. And he and his wife had never had children. They're super old. And it was supernatural that God brought John the Baptist to them. And When he knew that John the Baptist was going to be born, this father, he knew that the Messiah, Jesus, would soon follow. He knew the prophecy that John the Baptist would be the fourth runner. And so he gets this amazing prophecy from the Holy Spirit. And it has relevance to our teaching today. Let me show you what it says. The Holy Spirit, then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gave this prophecy. And here's what Zechariah said. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. You just sang that at all of our campuses. Love came down and rescued us. You see, what he was saying is these same words that God has visited us are going to be given at the end of our teaching today. Seven chapters later, it's so powerful. But there's one thing I want you to understand. In a moment, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say to your neighbor, God is in the house. Now, you don't say it like this. God is in the house. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Give it something that you got. Come on, give it something. Come on, come on. 
Now, by the way, if God isn't in the house, why are we here? If God isn't in the house, we might as well go have an early breakfast or a late breakfast or something. Let's get out of here. Go. There's nothing happening. But God is in the house. That's what he meant. He's come to visit us. So you'll see through this teaching how that works in your life. Be expectant because I'm going to tell you in a moment, at the end of the teaching, we're going to do something we haven't done for a long time. And God's going to meet us. He's done it Saturday night in the service, and he did it in the service that just finished. It's amazing what God's going to do in our life. Now, our world is constantly changing, as you know, thousands of ways every single day. We just, as I said, just got back from Ukraine. We couldn't go last year because of Russia's political stuff in the army. It's still going on, by the way. Uh, but we watched when we went there, this political and financial changes for the people. We are in Kiev and soldiers are everywhere. And it's just a kind of a horrible picture. And their exchange rate, these people in Ukraine, a year ago, before all this stuff happened, it was eight Ukrainian dollars to one U.S. Right now, it's 22 So they're starving. They have hardly any food at all. It was a really challenging thing for us to minister to them. It just brought us down to the basics of life as we minister to all those people and pastors from the other Calvaries. In our world here, privately, we also see constant change. Sometimes change is very good for us, and then sometimes change is not so good. What do we do when we face a difficult situation that's unchangeable? No matter what we do, it doesn't change. It's difficult. It's a problem in our life. What do we do with it? Well, this morning's teaching is based off of this principle. It's an amazing biblical truth that sometimes we forget. Here it is. Hebrews 13, 11. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means, look at me, as a Christian, as a Christ follower... We have an unchanging God in an ever-changing world. And that brings a stability to our life. It doesn't matter what's changing. We have an unchanging God. Now, as you go through the instructions today from Jesus, the illustrations, the points that I bring to you, it, it, as we see Jesus' ministry, which is 2,000 years ago, These same principles we're going to learn apply right now to today. Why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Also, when you're experiencing Jesus, as we are during the service here, you already done it to worship. We'll do it at the end when we ask God to just come down our row and speak to us. As we do that, it gives me hope for tomorrow. And third, knowing that Jesus never changes, it gives me assurance for the future. By the way, can I tell you this morning, in the end... God wins. You don't have to have any doubt about that. Now, between now and then, it's pretty dicey, isn't it? Now, I have a long statement. It's the longest one all day, so I'm going to give you time to write it, but I want you to see it because it has relevance, because everything that I'm going to talk about now through the illustrations will have a practical application for you. Here it is. When an unchanging circumstance, that would be in your life, meets an unchanging God then any circumstance can change. Could I hear an amen right there? So here's what I'm asking you to do. Every one of us have unchanging circumstances in our life. People, relationships, finance, money, sickness, disease, 
job, whatever. I want you to be thinking about that because at the end, we're going to give that unchangeable circumstance to God. And we're going to ask for God in his timing, in his way to change it totally. So you be thinking about it. That applies to every single one of us. Let's begin chapter seven, verse one. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he just finished that sermon on the plain. All the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. Capernaum is the headquarters of Jesus in his ministry. There, a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews, Jewish elders, to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. Now, there's a lot of amazing interesting things in those three verses. Number one, here is a centurion. He's a Roman. He's a Gentile. He's an unbeliever. He has a servant and the servant gets sick and he values this servant. That is unusual in itself. We know from history when the Roman centurion had servants, they were really slaves and they got sick. They just let them die. They didn't count them as nothing. Here's this unbelieving Gentile Roman, a person that values his servant so much that he approaches Jewish elders. He does. Can you imagine Jews who hated the Romans and they're kind of working on a plan? And he says to them, I want you to go to Jesus and get him to come and heal my servant. Now, let me ask you a question. This isn't difficult, so you'll have the answer. How does an unbelieving Roman Gentile ask Jesus, who he doesn't know, to come and heal his servant? How did he know to do that? Did he read it on USA Today? How did he know to do that? Here, Come on, come on. There you go. Somebody told him. He wouldn't have known of any of that. How could he know it? So the first thing I want you to write now that's shorter, this is about you and me. We are to tell others about Jesus and how he can change any life. Could I ask you this morning? When was the last time you and I told someone about Jesus? You see, the focus of this whole story, whoever told this unbelieving Gentile Roman soldier didn't talk about the synagogue. He didn't talk about a church service. He talked about a person, Jesus. The focus was never about anything but Jesus. Now that should be a challenge to us. Nothing wrong with inviting people to church. But the solution to man's problems is not the church. It's not CCM or any other church. The solution to man's problems is Jesus. Don't ever be ashamed of Jesus. You're going to be in heaven because of Jesus, not CCM. If you're thinking CCM is going to get there, you're going to be somewhere else in heaven. You can't get there anywhere else but Jesus. One day, Peter was told by the Jewish leaders who hated Jesus, don't you ever talk about him again. And then Jesus made this statement. Let me read it to you. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. 
Now, our world is confused about that. Our world says, any road to God, wrong. You see, that statement, it's either 100% truth or it's a whole lie. You can't iffy that one. I want to challenge you this morning. Paul would go on. He said, well, Pastor Mark, I'm not into talking to people or whatever. Oh, you're going to have to be into talking to people. That's why you're here. You'll see it in a moment. Now, Romans, Paul says this. Let me read it to you. But how can they call on him to save them, unbelievers, unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And who's the somebody? (laughs) And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Who's sent? You're sent. I'm sent. That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Now, I want to ask you another question. Very simple. What if no one tells the centurion about Jesus? What's the outcome of our story? What's the outcome? The servant does what? He dies. He was at death. See, in those days, there's not medicine and stuff. He dies. It's over with. Who in our neighborhood, in our schools, in our places of work, who needs to hear Jesus? Everybody. Because if they don't hear Jesus, how can they believe in Jesus? And if they don't believe in Jesus, they're not going to heaven. Do you understand how significant that is for you and me? See, the reason you're a Christian today is somebody told you. They cared enough. So you're going to see this whole story has great relevance to us. Well, look at verse 4. When they came to Jesus, these Jewish elders, which is amazing because they don't believe in Jesus. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this. Because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Here's another crazy thing. A Roman and Jews, they hate each other. But he is generous and he helps build a synagogue. What does that tell you? That tells you that this Roman centurion was searching for God. He was an unbeliever. He was a pagan. He believed in idols and whatever. He didn't get it. He knew something was wrong. It's just like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. When Cornelius is giving to God and he's generous and he's searching. And God has to send Peter to him. And that was really the one of the major converts of Christianity. And that's when Christianity was open to the Gentiles. See, initially it was only for the Jews. So what is Jesus going to do with this? Here's some Jewish elders that don't believe in him, talking about a centurion that he knows doesn't know him. How is he going to respond? Look at verse 6. So Jesus went with him. He loved it. And he was not far from the house. When the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Let me give you three keys this morning. Number one, this Gentile unbeliever showed Humility. He begins to think and he says, look, this Jesus is the talk of the town. I mean, he doesn't even know me. He doesn't have to come to my house and you'll see why in a moment. Unbelievable faith. So he humbly just says, don't trouble yourself. You don't have to come to my house. So God loves humility. It's all about God. Proverbs 22.4 says this, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. The sooner you in your life understand life is not about you, the happier you're going to be. 
Jesus loves humility. And he always said, I don't do things. I do what the Father tells me to do. He was humble. Now, if you have to go around telling people you're humble, there's a problem. I'm full of pride because I'm humble. Thank you very much. No, it doesn't work. You know, you should never have to say it. People should just know that that's you. And this pleased Jesus big time. This is why he said that. Look at verse 7. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. He heard a lot about Jesus. He knew that Jesus was healing people. He says, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Now, why did he do that? Look at verse 8. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Key number two. This Gentile unbeliever understood the principle of authority. You and I need to understand the principle of authority and power. Authority is simply the lawful right to exercise delegated power. If we're speeding on the road and you see a little blue light in West Melbourne or wherever you're at, you're not going to debate whether to pull over. Now, you might, but we'll visit you from the jail ministry. (laughs) You're going to pull over. You might have a better car than he's got or she's got, but you're going to pull over because they have authority and power. So he compares, it's interesting to me, he compares his authority as a commander over people to Jesus' authority over sickness. That's very different. It was over sickness, not people. Now, do you know this morning that you, as a Christ follower, are under the authority of Jesus. Let me show you. This is the Great Commission. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority. How much? All. All. In heaven and where? Earth. If it wasn't on earth, we're in trouble because we don't live in heaven. We live here. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And when he go? Go. He has the authority. And make disciples of all nations. That's the mission of the church. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey whatever you might like and throw the rest out. No. Everything that I have commanded you. And here's the key. And surely I am with you. Today, in August, in Florida, and to the very end of the age. Why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why this is a relationship. This is not religion. This is a relationship where God speaks to us on a daily basis. Now, What gets Jesus so excited? Look at the last part of verse 7 again. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. This centurion says, I don't know a lot about you, Jesus, but what I hear is good. Jesus, you have the authority and the power over sickness, obviously, because people are being healed. So just say the word, 
And your power will defeat the sickness and heal my servant. The centurion knew that Jesus' word alone, he didn't have to come to the house, was sufficient to heal his servant. Now, what's Jesus' response to this? It's amazing. I'm going to ask you to circle a word. Look at verse 7. And when Jesus heard this, he was, circle the word, amazed. He was amazed at him. Here's an unbeliever, a Gentile, doesn't understand God at all. And he shows amazing faith. And then he turns to the crowd, Jesus does. And who's the crowd following him? Jewish people. And notice what he says to them. I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. The Jewish people didn't have the faith, but an unbeliever had the faith. Now watch this. Key number three, write it down this morning. Here it is. This Gentile unbeliever had faith in Jesus and his word. What is faith? It's simply the confidence that what God has said will indeed happen. How did this Gentile get faith? Because someone told him about Jesus. He heard it by the word. Understand, the Bible is very clear in this. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we read, the more we hear the word of God, the more faith we have. Can I thank you today for being here? As we're here and we're enjoying going through the word of God together, what is God doing in our heart? He's stirring up our faith. It's to believe what Jesus says, what the word says. See, I need to learn to have my faith be active, strong. We need to believe Jesus more and his word more. What happens when the word supernaturally goes through the air to this ill servant? Look at verse 10. Then the men who had been sent, they returned to the house. And what did they find? The servant, well. You see, what are you going to call that? That's a healing. That's a miracle. No questions, no doubts. This unchangeable circumstance had been totally changed by a word from God. I want you to think about that. We need a word from God. I want you to write two things. In this little illustration so far, what do we see? Sickness cannot hinder what God wants to do. Now, there isn't anybody, I don't care who you are or who you listen to, that understands healing totally. Sometimes you get on television and you hear these guys say, well, if you give a $1,000 C gift, God will heal everybody in your family and save the world from A to Z and B. And all they're after is your money. Don't listen to foolish people. Well, we learned the importance of having humility today. Jesus will have a difficult time working in our lives if we aren't humble. Pastor Mark also shared about the importance of recognizing true authority. The Roman centurion understood it and that, combined with his faith, made room for Jesus to work a miracle on the soldier's behalf. This is a lesson for us concerning how we view Jesus and his authority and our need to stay humble. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
there's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. In the next message, we'll continue in Capernaum where we'll be looking at the importance of recognizing Jesus' authority over heaven and earth. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the nature of authority. He will be reminding us of our obligation to tell our friends and co-workers about Jesus so that he can meet their needs. May God give us the courage to reach out to the lost around us. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.